Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Now, this week, we'll be discussing the 11th episode of Rebels, titled Call to Action. But first, William, I believe we have a couple of announcements. We do, Stephen. Um, before, yeah, like you said, before we talk about this episode, which really, I think, dialed things up to 11. There's a couple of cool announcements. One, Hondo Anaka is coming to Rebels. Um, this, according to Jim Cummings, who voices the character, uh, he said that um, he uh, recorded some lines for Hondo Anaka and will be in the upcoming season. So that's really exciting. Um, of course, as you guys know, Hondo Anaka is one of our favorite uh, Clone Wars characters. So I'm so excited to see him appear in Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know the other pirate they have in the in, in the show. I can't even remember his name. He's so Vizago. Vizago, yeah, thank Zago, you. I believe. Yep, yep, that's it. I mean, he's okay, but really, okay, this, nobody I, can I, replace Hondo. This I have to say. This I agree with. This I think he should have been in the show from the beginning. Don't mind Vizago, but Hondo should have been in the show right. from the beginning. I mean, I think that what they were trying to do is set up their own their own show, you know, without any reusing any existing characters from well, the Clone mind, Wars, but the style of the show is different. So you got to, re- you got to remake the assets and exactly, exactly. But I'm really excited to see he's coming back. Um, the exact quote is, uh, and I think I'm allowed to tell you I'm back. Uh, he elaborated further saying that he'll be back, but we do them so far in advance. I don't know when, so you'll just have to watch them all anyway. So what the heck? End quote. Uh, and that is uh, talking to um, Brian Young over at Big Shiny Robot. Um, anyway, I am super excited and cannot wait. Uh, some other rumors, big rumors coming out this week. Um, if you don't want to hear any potential spoilers for season two, it's not really not more, more, more just cameos. We've discussed this in the past. If you're a little worried, skip ahead 30 seconds or so or a minute. But the rumor is that Ahsoka, Emperor Palpatine, and Vader will all be in the Rebels Season 2 premiere, which, as you guys know, is debuting at Star Wars Celebration. So it'll be the perfect time to reintroduce Ahsoka to the series. Vader, of course, was already in um, the show briefly in the, in the when they re-aired the first episode, Spark of Rebellion. And, but uh, Ahsoka and Emperor Palpatine will be new to the series, and uh, I think it'd be awesome. Definitely. Um, I mean, there have been plenty of rumors that Ahsoka is fulcrum and, and all that kind of stuff. The other big one just coming out today as we're recording this, um, according to the Bearded Trio, uh, uh, a certain famous actor, uh, Harrison Ford, is in the process of finalizing a deal for a cameo or an appearance of some sort as Han Solo during season two. Huge, I think. Um you know, we already had Billy D. Williams come back to reprise his role as Lando. Steven, what do you think about Han appearing I, uh, in Rebels? I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth. On the one hand, 
I do love me some Han Solo. On the other hand, I want to, I'm worried about how they'll treat the character in the sense that can Harrison Ford do a young Han Solo voice? And has he ever done voice acting before, for that matter? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm willing to see and find out, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be cool. Um, I mean, getting at least in one season, Ahsoka, Palpatine, Vader, and Han would be pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. So, those are your rumors for the week. Uh, and with that, I'm going to turn this over to Tom to give us our episode rundown and uh, kickstart this episode. Oh, here we go and my what an episode this was we were talking tonight about rebel season one episode 11 call to action this was written by greg wiseman and simon kinberg and directed by Stuart lee the synopsis for the episode is the rebels target an important imperial network now i am going to say this and i know we're going to discuss it but i think this was the best episode to date so hey guys podcast over let's go home forget the discussion <laughs> it's not gonna happen. i could i could get behind that oh well yeah but but no 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 I think we need. I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to discussing this episode for a week. Oh no, I agree. Ever since I I... saw the episode Monday morning, um, I was just floored with how amazing it was. I think I've watched it three or four times already. Mm -hmm. That's how good it is. So let's just start with the beginning, which I thought was perfect. And I know Stephen has other thoughts, so I want to get his his opinion in just a minute. I'll let you go first. But yeah, yeah, please. I mean, it starts with. You know, the Imperial March just blares right at the beginning, and the the Star Destroyer flies overhead with a Lambda-class shuttle, you know, flanked by two TIE fighters flying toward Lothal's capital. Very reminiscent of the beginning of Return of the Jedi, right? You even had the camera angles of, like, you know, the ship entering the Death Star, but this time it's, you know, where you kind of see the ship from the side as as it's entering the landing, uh, the hangar bay. But um, instead, this is on Lothal. Uh, A lot of homages here. Um... The, the ship lowers, and you, know, you have the stormtroopers everywhere with Minister Tua and Agent Callus and the Inquisitor all waiting for... Dun-dun-dun! Grand Moff Tarkin to walk down the ramp. And this scene, I thought um, Steven Stanton did a fantastic job playing Tarkin because the Rebels have been kind of outsmarting the Empire quite a bit lately. We kind of have to wonder, like, you know, how incompetent are these guys? They, okay, they no, can't a capture a couple rebels. Okay, now, now, hang on, hang on for one second. Okay, because this is going to play on a little bit later. They really weren't outsmarting the Empire. It just so happened they were kind of outsmarting, I would say, two specific guys mm-hmm. that will kind of play into it a little bit later. I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, mean, I think like Callus. And the Inquisitor, none of them have done a... I mean, they, they have had some successes here and there. They've tricked them into, you know, um, they, they they tricked them into thinking that, um, uh, the, you know, about, about the Senator uh, in the in the previous episode, Vision of Hope. Um, they uh, had, uh, had well, them that, come to meet, like, Luminara. That's true. Um, Very true. Uh, you know, in the prison, and it turns out that was a trap, Right. Um, there have been many times where they've come close to capture, capturing them, but every single time they've escaped. Right? Uh, and See, I, the one... So the first issue I took with this is, Callus, agree. Like, he had the Rebels in his grasp multiple times and failed. Yes. I don't yes, feel did. like the Inquisitor's really done that bad of a job, though. Other than not playing nice with Callus, he's nearly yeah, captured he... them 
far more. He's I agree. almost killed them more times. Oh, I felt I like he was fairly successful. I agree. He has come very close, but he hasn't actually taken them out. And when he's had the opportunity, he's toyed with them. Yep, he hasn't he actually captured them. That's true. Them. Yeah, he has. Um, so Grand Moff Tarkin is here to set things straight. Uh, you know, he's he, he, as soon as he lands, he's like, oh, I'm surprised by what's happening in your little backwater world. You know, you guys aren't doing a good job. He t- turns to Minister Tua first. And is like, you're not protecting the Empire's vital industrial interests. You're unlawful. You're letting a rebel self flourish. Bad job. He turns to Callus. And you are just standing idly by while, while the rabble have attacked, you know, our men, destroyed our property and disrupted our trade. You suck too. And, <laughs> and, and Tua's like, well, but there's a Jedi. And he's like, ah, yes. Let us not forget the sudden appearance of a Jedi as if leaping from the pages of ancient history. It's a shame we don't have someone who specializes in dealing with them. Otherwise, our problem might be solved. And looks right at the Inquisitor. Now, I, I, I just gonna... loved this the, the, from the from the lines of dialogue to the the way it was shot to you know the, I mean Tarkin just felt like Tarkin. And I have to say, I've been kind of disappointed. Now, we'll I'll might talk about this later in the episode too as we wrap up. But I've been disappointed in the way Tarkin has been portrayed. Uh, lately in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he's such a fantastic character in A New Hope. And I was reading the book Tarkin, and it just wasn't grabbing me, you know? Oh, really? Uh, it, it didn't really feel like Tarkin a lot of times, or even in the Clone Wars, right? Wait a minute, you mean, you mean the book Tarkin, or... Because I thought, I, I don't want to cut you off, and, and you've got a great point, but I thought, because I'm reading Tarkin again, and when he came down... Um, the shuttle and he started basically giving them drilling into them it reminded me of Tarkin and I just passed since I've started it the point where he drills down one of the plebes about you know you have this wrong you have this wrong oh wait a minute I noticed there's a scuff here I noticed this I noticed that I mean I thought it was a very great portrayal between the book and Tarkin in Rebels that's what I saw hmm I don't know yeah I mean okay so so to be Completely fair. I have not finished the book yet. I'm actually behind. And that kind of shows you just how disinterested I've been because I always read books very quickly. Okay. And I haven't finished the the book yet. So maybe it'll, it'll, my impression will change. But I just haven't been super enthused by it. And actually, watching this episode made me want to go back and finish Tarkin as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible because I loved his character so much. I think, I think, and especially like in Clone Wars. Yeah. I would say instead of finish it, I hate to do this because I will finish it no matter what. But yeah, like, finish it. But, but I'm in the middle of Heir to the Jedi right now. I have to do that for review, and then I'm going to go back and finish up Tarkin. I would say start over because for me, like I said, the parallel between the book in that one instance and this instant, to me, that's where it clicked. And yeah. now it's like I really want to start flying through Tarkin again because I really think between the book and the movie, like I said, I mean the show, like I said, it got his characterization, and I loved how they portrayed Tarkin in this episode. Oh, I, well, I, I, I don't disagree it, with you there at all. Like, and, and Steven, let me wrap up this one thing and then I'll let you say yeah, yeah. Your, your, your side. Cause I know you have a little bit different impression. Well, no. Uh, okay. Um, we'll see. so, I mean, I just thought like, especially with the clone wars, Tarkin was fine, right? He was, mm-hmm. he was kind of going after Ahsoka and, and that sort of thing at the end of the series. And he played a big role. But like when they were with, um, you know, even Peel uh, trying to attack the prison, he was he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was he was Tarkin. He felt kind of like Tarkin, but he wasn't Tarkin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like this 
entire episode, especially this scene, but many others as well, just felt like, okay, there's a reason why Grand Moff Tarkin is so good at what he what he does. There's a reason why the Emperor likes him. There's a reason why he's you know you know uh, so respected, and this is it, right? Mm-hmm. He can come in and whip people into shape and get stuff done, and just the way they also played with like the Jedi. You know, uh, the the whole he, he was talking about how they were legends. You know, um, and they were, how how ancient the Jedi Order was, and how they were destroyed, and and that sort of stuff, and how you know he used to know a Jedi. Um, all that was really interesting as well, um, and how he's like he says that you know Kanan, this criminal in his words, cannot be what he claims to be, and Tarkin is going to prove it which I thought was interesting as well, because all the Jedi were killed. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I just really enjoyed <clears throat> this scene. But Steven, I think you have a few opinions. Well, so I feel like well. you built this up, and it's going to be way different than what it is. So <laughs> Yeah, but, but, that's, but hey. that's the joy of this show. We all have our own opinion, and I really want to Well, yeah, but I mean, no, so I mean, uh, I like the scene. It, I did not dislike it. I was not particularly happy with the, the cutting of the, the start of the scene, because they literally cut shot for shot from episode six. Uh, Sentinel class, I believe it's Sentinel or a Lambda, whatever. One of those shuttles flanked by TIE fighters approaching the landing, the row of Imperial troops on either side with three people walking forward. It, it was a little too similar to me. Like if they'd taken just one shot, like if it was just the hangar shot, I would have been more okay with it. But because it was so many shots in a row, it just felt like I was watching episode six, which admittedly is not a bad thing. No. And, in fairness, if you haven't seen Star Wars quite as much, if the shots aren't quite as fresh in your mind, it may not have been as big of a deal. Now, all of that being said, I completely agree with you on Tarkin. I th- the thing for Tarkin is, I never he's an interesting character, but I, he never has that much time to shine, I feel. Clone Wars, he was okay. Even in Episode Four, I'd argue he doesn't have a whole lot going for him, mm-hmm. but except for one scene. Vader is force choking Admiral Mahdi at the table, and all Tarkin has to do is say, "Vader, release him." Mm-hmm. Not, not even angrily, just like kind of, kind of snappy. Like this is up until this moment, Vader is this big looming villainous figure, and here is the man who's holding Vader's mm-hmm. leash. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's, it is that exercise of power and the way he wields it, and that confidence is what, which is what makes Tarkin such a great character. And it was in full display here. Like the you broke it down really well. Just the way he cuts down Cass and at like all of them is perfect. Harkin just getting to the mm-hmm. core of the issue. It's the moment where you see it's like this is why this man is the only Grand Moff or one of the few Grand Moffs. I don't remember right. if there are more than one. Right. Like and this that... is why he's in charge of the Outer Rim because he t- like he sees a problem and he cuts right through it. He gets stuff done. Right. And that's why that's why I like the parallel to the book. And that's what I saw. Mm. Because he didn't dilly-dally about anything. He just literally, like that cadet in the book, he started with just a scuff on the shoe, and then he literally went in and tore the cadet down. He did the exact same thing in this when he got off the shuttle. He started with one little itty-bitty thing and then just started ripping into everybody and tore them down. I loved how it was connected. That's what I saw, how it was connected Mm. to the book. Yeah, I also have not read the book yet, so I can't speak to it. But oh, guys, the... I know <laughs> we have to it's, do a review of the book at some point. <laughs> yeah, but we will be reviewing it as soon as the season wraps up. Like, yeah, probably, yeah. probably. 
But based on our review of A New Dawn, I've got like three months to read it before I actually have to like... Steven. Oh, come on. <laughs> and the fact that we waited on New Dawn because of me is totally irrelevant. <laughs> no, but I, I will start it soon so we can actually review it. Promise. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just, I loved the scene. Um, I was surprised that uh, you didn't like it when you told me right before the show that you weren't a big fan of the of the cuts and stuff. I I can see it how it, how it might maybe it's, it was it was just it was a little much, too much for me. Like I don't, it, know. I don't mean to say that I didn't like it, just that it 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 was a little over that line between homage into just like outright uh, not copying. Steal. I could, I could I could see that. Like it it's not really stealing because you know it's still Star Wars, but right. Yeah, it did kind of almost give me the chills though, just like having Tarkin come in and set things straight was just so so cool yeah and i will say the one advantage of doing it that way is from those shots we're already kind of we already know from episode six like okay whoever's coming that shut down that shuttle is is a big deal yeah right and and scary and that just adds to the horror of knowing it's tarkin Mm -hmm. and i I will say you know i watched this episode It, it aired um it went on to watch disney xd monday morning uh, a week before the show aired on TV. And so um, it was still early in the morning. I'm like, well, I've got a little bit of time before work. I'll just watch the episode. And this is before all the press releases went out and before people started talking about Tarkin online. So I had no idea he was in the episode at all. And so seeing, you know, the um, that that shuttle come in for a landing with the Imperial March, I had no idea who was going to step off the ship, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it was just cool. Like you said, you know, I knew something big was going to happen, and some someone important, but I didn't know who. And Tarkin walks off the ship, and my initial impression is like, okay, you know, I, I haven't been super thrilled with Tarkin lately. Um, he's still an interesting character, but he's not my favorite necessarily. And then he just goes into that, in, the, in that scene and just lays into everybody uh, on how poor of a job they're doing. And I just, I loved it. It was fantastic. So I guess I, enough, enough, you know, heaping praise on the scene, I guess. But uh, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, but there, there's other scenes coming up. that Even the next does... one. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. You're well, right, no, they, Tom. They, even, they, even like, yeah, some well, of his later scenes are amazing. Yeah. We'll get to those as Yeah, we'll, well get to those. But I, I, agree, I agree with the next one you're going to bring up. That I completely agree with. So I'll, I'll let you go into that one. I mean, you're welcome to take it if you want. No, uh, I'll let you, but I'll let like, you go into it. We, we cut from that and we get, the, we get the Rebels logo and we go straight into the speeder bike chase during the streets of Lothal. Again, kind of reminiscent of Return of the Jedi, except, you know, it's through city streets instead of mm-hmm. the forest. And um, I just, I really love the way they, they did this scene. It, it felt intense. It felt like they were, you know, whipping around the, whipping through the city very quickly. Unlike some of the, the chases they did early on, like in um, Spark of Rebellion, where, I mean, they, they had um, speeders, you know, zipping through the streets as well. And then they kind of went out into the open road. Yeah, but that, that was a straightaway mostly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And this one really, um, it felt like, you know, they were, um, they were, you know, zooming through the city. You know, Kanan was flipping around on his bike and shooting behind him. That was actually uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. And the whole scene just felt right. And, you know, and so, then there's that moment where Ezra's hiding, the whole group is hiding and, like, the speeder just, you know, floats by without any riders and the, the troopers start to, like, follow and look around and what's going on? And you hear the, the suspenseful music from Attack of the Clones. And then, 
you know, they they uh, they they uh, shoot the stormtroopers with the um, the stun bolt and, and, and knock them out. And I just really enjoyed the the whole scene. I feel like it worked really well off of the previous scene because in the previous scene, Tark is talking about how these rebels are running loose, and we immediately cut to a shot of rebels running loose. <laughs> and it's not just that they're running loose, but it's just they're they're operating openly for the most part, and they're clearly they're almost enjoying it. Like this is going exactly how they want it to. And it just it just was the period on Tarkin's point. Like yes. this this is what's happening in your town right now, and what are you doing about it? Exactly. And I just it was probably one of my favorite chase scenes that the show has done to date. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't you know super long, which I think was actually a good thing. It was just the right length that it didn't didn't feel overly long, but you it also didn't feel like it just flashed by either. Mm-hmm. So I well, think it, it did a good job there. And it was good timing because you definitely know that not to spoil anything, but there's a cliffhanger at the end, and that's what makes the episode work so well. Is there is definitely a an ending to this to make you hold over to the next episode, and in a way, you could look at the front of this as being directed, you know, more of a movie instead of a TV show. With you, with all that feeling you had, yes, it's reminiscent of, you know, uh, Jedi, and you had uh, the same thing with the speeder bikes going through town. The way it was directed worked very well. Actually, they really put a lot of thought into it. Tom, that's an excellent point because. Um... I thought the pacing in this episode was very well done. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, this episode, the show has not had a lot of pacing issues. I don't think, I'm trying to think back through it. They normally, uh, they do a pretty good job. Um, they, it definitely wasn't as ever uneven as the Clone Wars could be at times. Right, where the Clone um, Wars was very choppy because they were trying to pack so much in and jumping around so much. Right. Um, and then this one, I, I mean, the show's done a pretty good job, but this one in particular just felt like very cinematic and very... Um, you know, like, like they could take their time without, you know, wasting time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I enjoyed that. You know, and the other thing that was nice about this is after that whole chase thing through the city, I mean, they end up back on the ghost. And mm-hmm. it's nice how they brought everything back to Senator Travis. Travis. And, Travis, yeah. Um, I, I like, I mean, it's almost like you've got a little trilogy working here. Even though it's supposed to be its own episode going into like, you know, you definitely know there's a part two to this. But mm-hmm. going back into Travis, Travis, sorry, um, it's a good little hookup to this. And then and then to have Travis sit there and say, you know, you know, talking about the rebels saying, you know, they're good people who just want to make the Empire a better place peacefully. All of his you know, followers. Or his followers. I'm yeah. sorry, his followers. You know, and, and he's blasting the rebels going, OK, you two faced blankety blank, blank, blank. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I mean, he he blames them for the the insurgents on on lawful our our rebels for right. twisting his message into something violent and frightening. Um, when um, you know, all he and his people want to do is make the empire a better place peacefully, and how you know they've recommitted themselves to the empire after the previous episode where we find out, oh, he's um, he's actually working for the empire. Yeah, but wouldn't it and, be nice if the word were to have gotten out that he was actually setting a trap for the people who are working against the Empire? He was working for the Empire the whole time, but that's never going to come out. No, of course no. not. No. Of course I, not. I love having this connected material that makes it feel like we're there. things are actually happening on Lothal from episode to episode to episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was interesting to see the way that, especially in this this episode, they start to emphasize that like the the lothal rebels um 
are different and um you know than than maybe some of the other rebels in the galaxy some of the other rebellions that are starting to crop up and um you know and and they start to like well i mean travis puts a bounty on uh on the other our rebels heads at this point he he mm-hmm. puts out a reward for their capture and shows yeah. a picture uh, of all of them um and you know so now the whole galaxy knows what they look like so anyone who is watching this transmission suddenly knows what our rebels look like and so it'll be interesting to see if like they have to hide their identities more going forward or you know I was I was also really surprised that they showed off that uh, as part of that transmission, Kanan with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that's something you want to advertise to the even just part of the galaxy at all. Like they're they're Jedi still alive and they're fighting against the Empire. That's a maybe not the best message to send as part of your propaganda. <laughs> that's a good point. That's yeah, a yeah. Good point. I do have to wonder. Um, I I don't have the image in front of me, but thinking back on it, wasn't that that hologram that they showed of of the rebels all as a group they kind of had they're very posed right and kind of spaced out i believe Um, so yeah it it looked a lot like photos that have been used in marketing material (laughs) um maybe i'm wrong steven no like that sounds it seems like a poster or something at comic-con or something where they've they all look I know that cracked me up too. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. I saw that and I, I cracked up. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, Travis's Holonet transmission gives the rebels an idea. Um, let's broadcast a message, the truth, letting people know what it's really like out here on Lothal, just like Ezra's parents did. Um, and they're not going to just reach Lothal, but a few systems nearby as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, this kind of kicks off the whole main um, plot of the episode. I don't know, though. Actually, maybe you call it almost the B-plot. Um, but uh, it ties in so nicely toward the cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Oh, so totally, you, sure. you can say it is. It, I is, mean, a it is the main plot. plot. I, I felt be... like the Tarkin was really the focus of this episode. Yes. Uh, in many ways, with the, yes. the Imperial Communications Tower. Um the the secondary maybe not the b plot but the the one a plot or something you know yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> or the one b plot anyway um but yeah so they have to take control of the communications tower and so they start to they, they scout the tower um and that sort of thing but before that happens oh. probably oh. my other favorite scene of the episode and I'll let one of you guys take it if you want. But you know what? I'm going to take this one because I brought Please. it up sooner. It's all yeah, you. I'll, yeah, I'll take it. So, like I mentioned sooner, there were two gentlemen that we see sporadically throughout the the previous episodes. I mean, we saw them. I think in Sparker Rebellion, where I think it was was it Taskmaster Taskmaster Miles or Mills Grint. He was the one who grabbed that fruit uh, from that one vendor, and then there was the uh, scaly pale guy. Cumberland Aresco. Aresco. Yeah, common yeah, um, Cumberland Aresco. Yeah, they were um, they were called into a meeting in the governor uh, into uh, governor is not governor in Grand Moff Tarkin's office. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd want to be called into his office because um, if the first thing you hear out of his mouth is if your efforts 
in apprehending the insurgents has been successful, would we not be having this little chat? Because oh, oh, it seems yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it seems like everywhere these guys were, the rebels always got away. Even if you go back to the episode where um, Ezra was in the uh, academy, mm-hmm. they were there. Yep. They, they really are very inc- incompetent. And I just love the way that Tarkin says, you know, so, um, I hear you guys are having some trouble with our, our rebels. And, and, um, I think it was Oresco, Commandant Oresco's like, no, 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 we're, uh, you know, kind of, you know, trying to like avoid the, the, uh, admitting, the admitting his failure. Yeah. And, and that's when Tarkin stops him. As you said, uh, Tom, I was like, if your efforts apprehending these guys have been successful, we wouldn't be having this little chat. So let's just skip all the, you know, um, pleasantries and just go straight to the details. Yeah. You know, and, and and just the way he, again, takes these guys down and says, you guys are not doing too well. Mm-mm. Um, you know, Tarkin talks about how there are other cells around the galaxy, but they lack the one thing that would make them a threat to the Empire, unity. Mm-hmm. And these rebels aren't interested in violence, the ones on Lothal. And they have a Jedi. Uh, so Tarkin is really concerned that um, you know, by he, failing to capture Kanan, mm-hmm. they're allowing him to represent hope. Right now, he, he sees a focal point, you know, a place around which rebellion can kind of foment, right, and form. Now, now, here's here's a thing in which you pointed out something here earlier in the episode. He was going to disprove that Kanan was a Jedi because uh-huh. he calls him a criminal. But at this point, I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not saying this was a sticking point, but at this point, he admits they have a Jedi. Mm-hmm. So is he – is Tarkin going to disprove Kanan is a Jedi because he's a criminal and he doesn't claim it who everybody thinks he is? Or does he feel he is a Jedi? Because he admitted it right there. You know, I think you're right, Tom, and I wonder if maybe – because I, I was thinking about this as well – he says, mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, basically disprove that he's a Jedi or prove that he's not a Jedi. And but he never actually does that in the episode. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if he's just saying that um, as in, like, I want to prove to the world that he's not a Jedi. Uh, he may he might actually be a Jedi, but I want to discredit him yeah, and that's... make him look like, oh, he's not actually a Jedi. So they don't yet. have hope. He is not a Jedi Yet deep down, he knows they're a Jedi. He's a he. He is a Jedi. But if he can show Lothal that this guy is not a Jedi or not qualified to be a Jedi or something, then they mm-hmm. won't have hope because hope right. is something yeah. that they cannot have. No, I think yeah, I imagine. Notice kind the of word came back up again from two right. different angles. The first angle, like you said, you know, just discredit him entirely, um, or show that he's not a true Jedi. And the Inquisitor is kind of I want to say almost done that already, um, as we see Hayden continually fail to really match up to the Inquisitor. Uh, but I wonder if there's another element of, you know, jumping way ahead for a spoiler for a moment. Kanan is now in the hands of the Empire at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Tarkin has plans to break a Jedi. Mm. He does say that he wanted him captured alive. Mm-hmm. That's possible. So That's I think possible. I wonder if the payoff for that line is going to come in the next episode. Especially because the episode's title is Rebel Resolve. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he has to have the resolve to not break. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? But now, but my, my favorite part of the scene is, you know, after basically, you know, cutting them down and 
<laughs> uh, after t- telling them how poor of a job they're doing, I, I guess. Oh, I he say, rips. He rips. He ripped into, into them. After, yeah. after ripping into them, you know, during this conversation, the, the Inquisitor kind of circled around the room because Tua and um, Callus are there as well. And the Inquisitor kind of circled around the room and just stand behind uh, Grint and Oresco. And, you know, Tarkin finishes saying, you guys are, you know, doing a very poor job. And that's something I, you know, will not allow. Uh, make no mistake. lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. So the Inquisitor turns on his double-bladed lightsaber and just, you know, he's holding it horizontally and just, like, pushes it forward a little bit. Oh, you and it's off camera. You can't, well, you can't see. It's behind Tarkin's yeah, back. Yeah, I know. I know. But it almost with 100% certainty, he decapitated those two guys. Yeah. yeah. And the music I, swells, and you see the expressions on Minister Tua and Callus's faces, and they're just, it's just priceless. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and there was no other way they could have done that scene, because I didn't think... Looking at that double-bladed lightsaber and how the Inquisitor had it held, he was not going to slice. He was not going to dice. He was just going <laughs> to gently push that thing forward between the two of them. Yep. Yeah. And Ugh. and as soon as that happens, Tarkin looks at Tua and Callus, uh, and I'm sure he meant this about the Inquisitor as well, and says, make no mistake, from now on, failure will have consequences. And it just sent chills down my spine. It was such, so well it's, delivered and so well executed, oh yeah. with, the, with the music swelling, you know. Well, and it it's made even more powerful because it's not like these are just new characters we've never seen before. These are mm-hmm. characters that, even though they're minor characters, not all that interesting. They've been there from the the you know the very from very the beginning. beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're the their first characters we see really. Yes, they are some of the first. Yeah, the, these are faces that you recognize when you're watching the show, and to have them just kind of off like that is it's it makes it even more uh, impactful. Uh huh. Exactly. Um, do you think it was the right? timing to kill off these characters i, yes. I think so i think i think yes. it worked well yeah yes. i think um the given how little development they actually got and how generally uninteresting they were i thought you got we got far more impact out of killing them here than we would have almost anywhere else yeah and i think right. well while, while they never had enormous roles we did see them you know here and there and uh i wouldn't say i was I'm attached to the characters but by kill I, we, we definitely knew of them and we knew their names and by killing them off it added a lot of weight to Tarkin's mm-hmm. um, presence on the show and, and that sort of thing. Um, and we're also kind of starting to see what happens when you fail, you know, in the Empire. Because during the prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars, right, the Separatists kind of did some of that, but it was droids. What do they do? Kick the droid off the side of the, mm-hmm. of the bridge, and that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. But in the original trilogy, you know, they're killing off uh, soldiers all the time. Yep. Vader's like, oh, you did a bad job, force choke you. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of cool to see some of that come into Rebels. And I wonder if they're going to kind of amp up the number of characters that kill off brand new or, or otherwise uh, as they continue to fail in their mission to capture the Rebels. Well, here's an interesting thing that was brought up. Um, who do we... God, it wasn't last episode. But um, this is going to so... We had the guest on recently that believes that Kanan's not going to last the series. I am so losing I'm this blanking. right now. I'm blanking. Uh, I do remember that. I don't remember who said it, unfortunately. Yeah. Sometime in the last couple episodes. Yeah, and that – what when I saw this happen to these two characters, okay, there's a point in this series 
Now, you know it wasn't going to happen this soon, but there's a point in the series in which thinking about that episode we discussed, that topic, I'm looking at it going, you know what? That could be true. I could mm-hmm. see that happening at some point in the series that Kanan won't last the series. It'd be a bold move, but... It would be. I don't know. I mean, he can't really last post... Well, I mean, I mean, the new canon, I guess he could, but even then, they, they really say you know, he's the last of the Jedi, Luke is. Right. So it's kind of hard to have Kanan right, running around through the OT... And, and well, I mean, you can make the same argument about like Ahsoka or any other number of characters that have true. been around. In the past. If true. if they want a character to survive, there are ways they, they to can find a way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But anyway, you know, we, we we got at this point. I mean, after that great scene of these guys being decapitated, you've got Tarkin ordering Callus to dispatch the probe droids to try and figure out the whereabouts of these insurgents. And I thought what was very interesting was Tarkin is like, you know what? Let's not just send out probe droids. Go to each location in which they first appeared or they had some kind of incident and start there. Don't just mm-hmm. willy-nilly them out there. And it ended up, you saw them on one of the probe droids being dispatched was that road to the um, communication tower, which ties mm-hmm. back to the episode of where you had Kanan chasing Ezra from Sparker Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it was it was really cool to see them send send out the probe droids and mm-hmm. you know and immediately after after that we get the scene where Kanan and Sabine and Ezra are scouting out the communications tower from above an, an overpass and they're trying to figure out their strategy and you know the probe, probe droid flies right underneath them like leaving the spire and um the communications tower and they go oh crap you know because actually I, I I will say I like the camera angle when um the probe droid flies underneath them. And they're kind of all looking down one side yep. and they all stand up and the camera yep. moves with them as they go to the other side of the, uh, of the overpass and lie back down again. And I would um, say to me, that was very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Cause I it don't was, think we, I don't think we would have seen that. You may have, but until this point, I don't think I've seen that done in animation. It could be wrong on that, but I thought it was really cool anyway. Yeah. It was a cool little shot. I mean, part of me was like, ah, they are kind of risking it. They could be seen, but it was kind of cool nonetheless and um and of course that's when they realize uh oh our speeder bikes are on the side of the of the freeway for lack of a better word and um <clears throat> the probe droid's gonna see it so we get another appearance of the loth cat hey uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> don't like the loth cat tom well for reasons anyway <laughs> <laughs> So the Loth Cat basically jumps on top of this probe droid. Well, like, with Ezra's uh, little with, force exactly. encouragement. Exactly. And I'm not 100% sure how, but it basically forces it down and crashes it into the ground. And like, it starts spinning out of control and all this stuff. And Kareen's... Um, basically, the Loth Cat the, was, anyway. was being a, a, a psychotic thing with its claws and just clawing the heck out of this probe droid and probably pulling wires and everything else to knock it out of the sky but he really didn't do that great of a job to completely disable it that is true because yeah. while they were like oh well the loth cat destroys it we're safe right they'll they'll know they'll think it was a loth cat right not a blast bolt god a you don't blast want bolt. Blast bolt. we're good to go yep. but they kind of forgot to make sure it was completely dead and couldn't see them as they flew away on their speeder bikes yep 
Mm-hmm. So, oh well. But yep. it was story it was, along. You have to consider it. Move the story along. That is true. And you know, we got this really uh, neat scene. Not as good as the last two Tarkin scenes, but um, still kind of shows Tarkin's. Um, he's genius. in command. He's I mean, in command. Yeah, and where he's ordering Callus to let the rebels believe that they have the element of surprise and to lure them in because um, he wants to capture Kanan alive. Um, and he says, um, you know, if Callus and the Inquisitor can't capture Kanan alive, uh, sorry, capturing Kanan alive will be an opportunity for the Inquisitor to redeem himself. Um, so, yeah, very very cool. And, and, and kind of see, especially after the deaths of Oresco and Grint to say, oh, um, now you can redeem yourself by capturing mm-hmm. the Jedi. It kind of raises the stakes. Could, could this happen to the Inquisitor too? Could, could he be killed? Uh, could Callus? We don't know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's possible if Tua keeps failing, she could die. Yeah. I could see her dying. I can't see Callus dying so, uh, so soon or the Inquisitor. Okay, well, but... let, let's flip. Let's take, let's take Tua for a minute here. Do you think she could be shaken enough to where let's theoretically say she could jump ship and join the rebellion. I don't think Callus would, but do you think she could jump ship? I don't know. I, I have trouble seeing that. Yeah. She seems okay. pretty devoted to the empire. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of her, but she well, just I, feels I, I like out there. a very, uh, someone, someone who's very dedicated to the empire, but you never know. She mm-hmm. she certainly could. Um, who knows? Who knows? Mm. Well, I just that was one thing I just thought I'd throw out there. Because, you know, it's as a you know the the look on her face, the horrific look on her face when those guys got you know decapitated. That's true. Thought, yeah, actually, yeah, that that could be like the. Uh, it could be a questioning thing. Yeah, that it could know? be the thing that kind of starts her on that path of questioning. Mm-hmm. It'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but to get kind of caught up in the episode, I mean, you, you get to the point where now they're starting to put their plans together of using this communication tower to get a message out to everybody else. And you've got, you know, Ezra sitting here thinking he's getting second thoughts about the plan because his parents spoke out about it. And the one thing that he's very concerned about is he's lost his parents. He does not want to lose this group on the ghost. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really nice piece of character development for him, in a sense. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's been going on missions for a while. You know, it normally it would, it would, I feel like it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to have him suddenly be so unsure of himself this way. Right. But this is, like, this is the type of thing where he's, you almost have to be irrational about it. My parents spoke out. They died. You know, who's going to leave me next? Right. And and that's why I had the, the thing about, well, you know what? If he's worried about that, then... Maybe there is that possibility. It wasn't in this episode, but maybe there is that possibility that Kanan's not going to make it. I mean, that's that's a thing to where, to me, the connection was. He lost his parents. He's right now creating that bond with Kanan. If he were to lose Kanan, I mean, you could see the kid being worried about that. And, and, and I liked it. But, you know, Kanan has to convince him. It's like there is things that are bigger than you know losing people like this and you know you've got to do this you've got to take the risk you know it, it's got to be done yeah so. yeah and then we get that cool scene with the communications tower 
mm-hmm. where they actually attack it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what did you guys think of, of this? We have you know, Zeb trying to take over a turret um, and just having a blast, you know, and he ha- when he's forced to leave later, he's like, but I like this gun. Well, I, the one thing I have to say about this, and it cracks me up every time uh-huh. I see those troop transports, I always think of the toy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, that's what they're there like, for, intentionally. I know they are, but it's like, I just, I think of that toy and it's like, okay, we really don't have that toy remade yet, you know, updated. Or has it come out yet? I don't know. I just keep seeing the packaging of that toy. But but it's funny because I think at one point when they were trying to plan this, I think it was Sabine that sat there and said, to a certain extent, a plan is only good within the first five seconds. Mm-hmm. And I think this one, the plan only lasted two seconds and that was it. Because as it was said before, Tarkin knew they were going to be there. And sure enough, right. there they were. And the other thing that was cool about this those police cruisers, uh, those police things that were on Coruscant back mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars. Yep. Yeah. They like were used it. again here. Yep. 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 Which was really cool. Yeah, um, and I have to say, I, uh, I mean, you mentioned Sabine and not having enough time. I mean, she thought she was going to have five minutes. Well, he tried three. Five minutes. Then yeah. it was three. Um, then it was, then it was three. And then it was one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, then, you got to do it now. Yeah. But I, I like the whole scene where, you know, She's trying to slice into the computer terminal and Chopper in- installs the the spike. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, I gotta I gotta ask uh, right. as our resident tech expert, is this the okay. first time we've seen a spike in film and TV? I believe it is. I I, I and maybe say even it is. it's I mean now I mean now it's officially canon too. Yeah, because so the spike I believe is a concept that was introduced in Knights of the Old Republic. Um, it yeah, it is a material that is there was security spikes and computers in the game and they're used to hack and like bypass security terminals respectively um and it was a way in the game like you just like oh this terminal is hard to hack it takes 20 security spikes <laughs> um so it you know not actually that interesting of a concept i don't like i feel like it was probably mentioned in the expanded universe here and there but yeah. it was fairly rare they're not very common yeah so it's kind of cool to see it um see it appear here yeah and also it's interesting to see the way it worked right you know chopper Put, it's a very long object. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. It reminded me kind of uh, like R2's um, his data oh, jack, where it spins it, and then yep. slowly, you know, unlocks more and more of it. I felt like the spike kind of was fulfilling the same purpose. Yeah, there. but it kept going right. further and further and further in. Almost, I, I don't know if it was like collapsing or what. Well, uh, it, it, it cool. seemed like it, it seemed like it was more in layers. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna I think I used Die Hard last. Time, I'm gonna use Die Hard again here. Where they were trying to break into a vault, they had to get through layers. And it seemed like with this one, that spike had certain layers that when it turned, it had to unlock a layer. And as soon as that layer got unlocked, it went a little deeper. Then it blocked that. I mean, it it, it jacked that one layer, the second layer, and went deeper still. So it was probably to where um, when Sabine said, "Hey, give me five minutes." Maybe it was five layers she had to crack, and that's why it was going to take five minutes because it had to go through that way. But when you had Kanan say you've got three, then basically it took three minutes and three layers to get through to finally get through the spike. I don't know. I was trying to draw a parallel on that. I, had, I was trying to figure out how it worked um, because I, it, it seemed like as soon as it was fully in, mm-hmm. uh, they were you know into the into the into the system and right. were able to make their changes and take over the the communications tower and get out of there. Um, but did. Did, so, uh, so what Chopper was Sabine? Back? I can't remember if he I don't, took it back. It looked or like he left it in the machine. No, I think you. I think I got left. And okay, Sabine was, it. you know, uh, so I'm trying to figure out what, like, what was Sabine doing? Was it, 
was the it was at the slicing that she was doing on the computer on the basically hacking into the machine mm-hmm. that was kept causing it to go in to the next layer uh, you know the or was the spike I, just kind of automated doing its own thing i think she was cracking it i think the spike was in there to let her gain access to the system and right she, right but we're like where, where is it layers. was it in sync like um because it seemed like as soon as it was fully in she was done mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was, I, I, was, I was just curious i how. kind of imagine it as like it's a a hardware piece kind of like a usb drive um and maybe something like so she's trying to hack so the spike can dig deeper into the hardware um, until it's eventually, you know, at the, the OS or the root level. And mm-hmm. once it's there, you know, you can't really re- just remove it because it's going to take down the whole system mm-hmm. or do something bad. Right. Or that was kind of how I imagine it. Um, yeah. It's definitely, it's a little weird because it's, it's not super clear how it works. And in, I mean, that's the case in the originals as well. It's just kind of sure. there. I mean, we're not yeah. really supposed to, it's not really the point of the episode. Yeah. I guess it's just so yeah. interested in tech. We, I was like, Oh, I wonder how that works. It's, it's called a plot point. To <laughs> exactly. keep the story moving forward. <laughs> exactly. But you know, as yeah. basically as soon as the spikes install, or I bet actually, as soon as they start hacking into it, the empire arrives. And of course we get a brief, um, cue from the Imperial March again. And you know, the, they install the spike and the rebels decide it's time to escape. And here's where, door, but it wasn't the front door, right? And here's where things start to get interesting. You know, Kanan um, tells everyone to get in the lift and just go to the top of the tower, uh, and promises he'll take the next one. He looks at Ezra and says, "Ezra, I'll be right behind you." And the door shuts. And that that scene, like where you could see Kanan's back, you know, basically from Ezra's point of view, and the door <laughs> shuts, was just so so cool as he's standing right. up against the Empire. But you see, that's that's the point in which I get back to the episode where we talked a couple weeks back that when you saw that, that's one of the things. And I think they even cut to Ezra, like looking at him going, okay. And yes, you're reading into a cart, a cartoon character's facial expressions, but you could see if you're in that spot, is this the last time I'm going to see my master? Because mm-hmm. when the inquisitor gets off the uh, police gunship or whatever it was now at this point, you know, he turns to Cannon and says, if you surrender now, you know, he might let your friends live. He being Tarkin. Let, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Tarkin, I'm sorry, I take that back. Tarkin might let your friends live. And that's when you're looking at it going, okay, well, is Kanan going to make it? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a Darth Vader, old Obi-Wan letting Luke get away? Is that going to happen? I mean, they did do some fighty-fighty, you know. Well, so, so actually before that, right, um, as soon as he says surrender now and, and Tarkin oh, might let your friends yeah, live, he turns off his lightsaber. Yes. And that. the Inquisitor's re- reaction was just great. He's like, unexpected. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't think you were going to actually try to surrender. Well, I think, um, and I thought that that was the point to where it's like, you know what? If he were to have fought the Inquisitor, do you think he would have survived that fight at this point? Or, well, I think we know, right? Himself? Because, yeah, I mean, like, all hope is lost. Kanan has right. surrendered. The stormtroopers have, uh, on the gunship, have the rebels pinned down at the top of the tower. Right. Um, things aren't looking too good. And Hera arrives, blasts the gunships out of the sky, and rescues the rebels at the top of the tower. Kanan, meanwhile, is down at the bottom. And, and I think we, we actually didn't mention this part, but um, he destroyed the door to the lift. He, yep. he slammed his lightsaber into it. So he's down there by himself with no way to get up to Hera. Uh, but neither can the the Empire. Mm-hmm. And um, at this can... point, he ignites his lightsaber and they fight. Yep. Steven? 
Yeah, I was gonna say, can I take a moment and, and note how amazing Hera's piloting is? She's stationary, waiting <laughs> yes. for people to board her ship, and she's still weaving and dodging ground fire. Yep. Well, yeah, actually, that. yes, that that was Just, a fantastic scene. I actually, I really like the way. So you know, Kanan orders Hera to leave, and the expression on Ezra's face is great as you know Hera shuts the door, and kind of um, reminded me of how they accidentally left um ezra in uh, spark of rebellion yes um, that's true except this time you know kanan's asking them to leave and uh kanan's stuck all by himself fighting the inquisitor um and i think you know the inquisitor throws him against the wall he loses his lightsaber and and ezra is just distraught but they, Hera flies off and and just kind of as she's weaving and, and dodging the that that blaster fire uh, in the ship was just really cool to see the way she was like duking and and, and trying mm-hmm. to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Kanan's like, well, because now he's been effectively captured by uh, the Inquisitor. He says, looks like I have time to meet your friend after all. Yeah. And we and cut this, to the next and, morning. That's right. And then this is where Tarkin arrives. And this, you know. I never thought I would see him wearing battle gear. That's the one thing about it's, Tarkin. It's interesting to see him with like yes. a, an actual helmet on and uh-huh. that sort of thing. It and kind of reminded me of like yeah. the Clone Wars when, I mean, for most of the, of the series, um, you had the Jedi wearing their normal robes with like a, a, you know, a chest plate and some uh, gauntlets and, and mm-hmm. stuff to kind of protect them uh, and add a little bit of. Um, some kind of protection exactly I mean, if lightsaber yeah. can't do it then you know what else are you gonna have to protect you exactly so I, I will say I think I liked I like Tarkin without the battle gear better yeah. but it was kind of cool to see him with that and you know he walks right up and is like well done inquisitor these are the results I expect um, and and that's when you know Kanan and, and, and Tarkin kind of talk for a few minutes and uh, Kanan refuses to give Tarkin anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the and this is like makes where we get to the end of the episode, right? Which was kind of odd because we don't really get any closure to. I mean, I mean obviously it's supposed to be a cliffhanger, but yes. we don't really get anything else with Kanan and Tarkin in the episode. Um, Kanan says, "I I won't give in to you. I won't give you what you want," and that's it, right? Uh, because suddenly one of the one of the officers walks up and t- to tell Tarkin that um, Ezra is broadcasting um, over the holonet about the Empire and how how people should stand up to the Empire, and they just start listening and hop on the shuttle and fly away, mm-hmm. and we don't get any more of Kanan. Well, but th- there is there is a thing in which you know. As they're leaving, Tarkin does order the ships to destroy the communication tower. You see it basically being destroyed. I mean, it was cool, but it was destroyed right after Ezra ends his transmission. But but I I have to say, the way they shot that scene, right, with... As it topples? Yeah, well, first you have, you know, Ezra's talking about how everybody has to stand together. It'll be hard, but stand up and fight. We're strongest together as one, you know. And and as he's saying all this, I wouldn't say nothing too... He didn't say really say anything too profound. No, he didn't. No. Um, or really t- talk about in much detail how hard life is under the Empire, uh, like they seem to imply. But he was trying to give his all his big speech, and um, at that point, you know, Tarkin says, um, 
you do not know what it takes to win a war, but I do. As his missiles are streaking mm. toward the the tower, and um, this the, just the way the scene was shot. As, as I was starting to say, where you can see the the communications tower in the distance, and the missiles just slowly. I mean, obviously they're very fast, but right. it's so far away. The missiles just look like they're slowly heading toward the communications tower as the the music swells again, and it you know hits the t- tower, and the tower just topples and falls and you can see Tarkin really is willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to win even destroy imperial property just to stop a message even though they didn't fully stop it because Ezra was done right he was done but you know, well they, you can't leave access like that for the future you gotta take no. it out exactly no. exactly and so I just thought that, like the way that scene was shot was such a perfect yeah. but you see that that's where I I get back to, especially that line that says, you don't know, like, like you mentioned, you don't know what it takes to win a war, but mm-hmm. I do. And he'll do whatever it takes to get his it mission is. done. That's what it, that's why I go back to Tarkin. It's like how they portray him in the mm-hmm. book. It's the same thing. He, how they were able to tie the book. Naturally, this is all new canon. Naturally, the whole story group is talking to each other. Naturally, they know how the characters are going from this point forward to keep, hopefully, the consistency moving forward through everything. And that's why, going back reading Tarkin and seeing this, I thought they portrayed him perfectly because he will do anything it takes to get what he wants, and it proves it inside this book as well. So read Tarkin. (laughs) And we'll be reviewing it shortly. But Yes. you know, at least in this episode, Ezra wonders if it was all worth it. And he says, you know, he and Hera both agree this isn't over and they will rescue Kanan. And the episode ends with just a little bit of, you know, some sort of transmission sound effect. Not quite like static, but basically. Um, and that's it. Very, very quiet. No, no music, just a quiet static. Um, and that's how they close up the episode. I've got to give props to to the show for how they are doing this by way of integrating stuff like this into the end of the episode, how they're integrating the title Star Wars Rebels into the episode. It's not just a standard opening from show to show to show mm-hmm. and a standard closing from show to show to show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that's been standard is if you've watched Disney XD, the Ezra thing saying – You've passed your first <laughs> test. Okay, guys, please, I'm uh, tired of that, okay? Yeah. But how they get in and out of the shows, it's customized to each episode. And mm-hmm. I'm loving how they're doing that and incorporating I was going to say, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. I seem to recall, wasn't the opening uh, like music flare when they flashed the Rebels logo at the start of the episode, wasn't that different this time around? Yeah, they didn't go dun 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 yeah. at the beginning. They, they yeah, had, it was um, it was a I don't darker, know what it was now, but much darker. They, they've done it. They've ominous. done it a few times. This wasn't mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. time they've done it. I think because we have seen all these episodes, I I think we're kind of overlooking that. Yeah. But they've done it a few times where they've really incorporated that opening Rebels and the end like this, and I'm really enjoying that. No, you're you're right, Tom. And I remember when we first saw the episode way back at Comic Con. I thought, uh, you know, the first episode of the series. I thought, um, that's odd. It must be unfinished. And and that was the intention. And actually, you know what? I, I I've grown to like it. I, re- I really yeah. have. I think they've done Same a good here. job. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of just cool to see, you know, for once the bad guys win. Right? Kanan mm-hmm. is been captured they've stopped ezra's transmission even though he completed what he he wanted to say at least um 
you know, Kane, uh, the Inquisitor got his Jedi. Kanan, I'm sorry, Callus uh, um, you know, hasn't stopped the Rebels, but at least they had a they have a win under their belt. Mm-hmm. And um, Tarkin is is there as well. And I I cannot wait to see what happens in the next episode because uh, things are really starting to heat up. Yeah, this is it's one. This is one of the first episodes where I really feel like I. I'm drawn to watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Normally oh, it's I like, agree. oh, when I get to it, I'll get to it. This is one where I'm, I can, I'm really feeling it. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I'll be watching this at lunch tomorrow. The <sighs> next episode. Yeah. I, I cannot wait. It's such yeah. a good series. Uh, and it's just getting better. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we really don't know how many episodes are left in the season at this point. Um, part of me wonders if, the next episode, Rebel Resolve, could be the end uh, of the season. But you think I mean, they wouldn't announce it this far in advance? I don't know. We haven't heard any more episode titles yet, and we know it was supposed to be a pretty short season. You know, my, I think the rumor was like fourteen to sixteen episodes, something yeah, like that. True. If you include the, um, the first two, the first I, the two, Spider-Man that's film. fourteen. Yeah. Um, the, the film. So I don't know. We'll see. Next up, next week could be the. Uh, the season finale, um, but but then that means that means there's no episodes until Star Wars Celebration. Yep, yeah. But you know, to be fair, Celebration's only two months away. Oh, that's very true. Oh yeah, yeah. we're all gonna be there too. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, I thought this was a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I Agreed. I loved the portrayal of Tarkin in this. He was just so perfect. Um. He though it was the right use for Tarkin. He he came in for a reason to you know, shape things up, and yep. he motivated people to get stuff done. And they they actually succeeded in their goal this time, and were able to capture Kanan. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the next one. You know, will they rescue Kanan? I suspect so. Um, what happens to Tarkin? Um, well, what's going to does he stick around? Happen. And I think the other thing about this, if they do rescue him. They rescue Kanan. What's going to happen in the next episode to the person that, oh, was there when Kanan got rescued? Because Tarkin's already said he's not going to put up with failure. So does it get back to, is Callus going to make it? Is the Inquisitor going to make it? You know, who's going to pay the price if Kanan gets away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so someone someone's gonna have to pay the price. I mean, mm-hmm. if if Gritten and um, Oresco were killed in this episode just for failing to capture them, if you let someone go, yeah, even accidentally, mm-hmm. you're probably uh, not gonna see the next episode. So I don't know if Callus or the Inquisitor would would be killed off, but no. um, I, I suspect I have a not. feeling. Have a feeling. I know who it might be. You know, it could be those Womp Rats who are gonna be guarding Kanan. I mean, something's gonna. <laughs> Well, think, you know, so, so we I feel like our ratings. I, I feel like I mean, I, I was I was to be honest, kind of starting to go into my rating there. Okay. Uh, with, if you want to so, go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think overall, I, I just said this. Tarkin was fantastic in this episode. So good. Um, I mean, I really have no complaints about this episode. It, it gave me uh, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um I I've already rewatched the episode three or four times in the last you know six days. Um, it's just that good. It really is. And um, 
I've been looking forward to reviewing this episode all week, and it was a lot of fun. And actually, we've had so many, uh, so many of our friends too of the show say, "Hey, do you guys have a, a, a guest spot? Um, can, I, I would love to come on and, and review this episode as well because I mean, people just seem to really, really enjoy it." Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, our guest wasn't able to make it the last minute, which is too bad. Um, would love to have him, but um, uh, yeah, lots of people really wanted to join us for this as well. So. Fantastic episode all around. Uh, really dialed it up to 11. Um, episode 11, that is. No. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this... Um, man, I, I really want to give it a 10. I really, really do. Um, leaning, going back and, back and forth between a 9.5 and a 10. But you know what? I'll just go with 10. Uh, it was that good. And um, I'm going to take all 10 of my Womp Rats, line them up, because they're, they're pretty small, and uh, let uh, the Inquisitor um, take him out like he did uh, Aresco and, oh. and Grint. Man. So, you, well, poor, no, poor Womp gonna... Rats. Tom? Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I loved this episode, as you could tell. I really saw the parallel between Tarkin the book and Tarkin in the series. And I thought it was very well done. I have got to give this I I'm going to give this a 9.5. No, I'm going to give it a 10. <laughs> you you're doing the same back and forth I was. I was so Yeah. I'm like, "No, well, I have to give it a 10. It was just too good." Yeah, but but then again, I was thinking I could do a spinal tap reference and go go to 11, but um we don't have the dial up that high anymore. So, we have to go to 10. Um I think we said enough in this episode. There really wasn't enough to complain about in this episode everything in this has been said by way of praising it left and right um i'm going to take my 10 womp rats i'm going to have them guard guarding canaan and i'm going to put their fate in next episode's hand because if canaan escapes somebody's got to pay so i can't do anything to them right now they are right now at this point guarding canaan so Whatever happens, they get their dues next week. Okay. Steven? Ooh. So, I, I feel almost in a slightly weird spot, because when you first, like, so you guys watched it before I got a chance to, mm-hmm. and you both were talking, like, this is, like, the best episode of Rebels ever, which I actually would agree that it is, but, like, <laughs> you, were, you were both really blown away with it, and I just, like, I really enjoyed it, but I, I didn't get that quite that same feeling. So I came into thinking like, well, okay, so like it, it was a good episode, but it wasn't that good. And as we've been talking about it, I'm I'm not coming up with the things that were really bothering me about it. So it deserves a high rating. I I know I'm not going to give it a ten, so I'm kind of jumping between nine and nine point five. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it a nine, not because the episode did anything wrong, but because I I think I hope there are better episodes in the future. I think they can do even more that will impress me. It was a fantastic episode, but I want to see more. Mm-hmm. And with my nine Womp Rats... Ooh, what do I want to do with my nine Womp Rats? This is a t- um. Ooh. Let's see. Uh, has anyone beheaded the Womp Rats yet? Had the Inquisitor do that? That was mine. Yeah, that was... Th- of course. Wow. That was William. Mine, uh, <laughs> mine right now are just guarding Kane. And yeah, no, I remember yours. I was blanking on what Williams were. Okay, so I can't <laughs> Sorry behead about that. them. Now what am I supposed to do? Oh, okay. No, so in the future, the next time Ezra needs to take down a probe droid, 
uh, by force influence animals. He's got nine womp rats waiting for him. Okay. There we go. Okay. Wow, taking out probe droids with womp rats, huh? Oh, it's it's a slaughter. Well, I was I was also thinking for my ten womp rats, what I could do is I could put them in that communication tower, and they could write it as it goes down. I mean, I was thinking that way they I could let them, you know. Mm. I was thinking that, but I like the idea of let, letting them. Timber. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have them, you know, still guarding Kanan until next week and find out their fate next week. Okay. Tomorrow. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, actually. That's true. That's true. It will be next week when people hear this episode, but it would be mm-hmm. tomorrow that I'll find out what happens to them. Cool. Well, um, coming up next week on Ion Cannon, Season 1, Episode 12, Rebel Resolve. And as we said uh, just a couple minutes ago, who knows, this could be the season finale, or just could be another episode in the string of great episodes. Who knows? Hopefully. Um, Hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I hope it's not the end, only because I want more Rebels. Uh, they're really... Um, at, at, at a good pace right now and a lot of fantastic content um, great episodes but if it is you know if it is over uh, until celebration I guess I guess we can live we can live with that well here's here's my here's my hope here's my hope okay let's say they got two more episodes <laughs> and then they give us like a couple week break you know not how many weeks to celebration uh it's like 65, 70 days, something like that. Uh, uh, so let's say two more episodes. So basically three more weeks of episodes, which would mean if you hear this, it would be Monday would be the Rebel Resolve, which this is going to be posted in Monday. And then two more episodes after that. So it'll be two weeks. So maybe have like a four or five week break before the season two premiere at Celebration. It, I, think, too- I think that would be comfortable. It's too bad we we don't have like a Womp Rat day where if the Womp Rat sees its shadow, we get six more weeks of Rebels. Oh, I um, wish. <laughs> that oh, I wish. would be fantastic. We've got to come up with something like that. We really do. Oh, wouldn't that be great? But no, who knows? Yeah. Um, so with that, I think we're going to close out for this week. Yep. Um, your call to action is to listen to the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.